supposed to do the announcements, but let's pray first. Father, we just thank you so much. Father, we just praise you for your presence with us. Father, we don't deserve it. We've done nothing to make ourselves right that you should accept us. But Father, we just praise you that uh, we can pray that prayer to draw us near. And Father, only because you love us, you do. Father, we, uh, we praise you for your Holy Spirit that's moved among us, Father, that, that inhabits the praise of your people. Father, we just thank you that, uh, that you overcame the sin that man chose and brought into this world. Father, that you overcame that and you made a way out of it for us. Father, not that uh, we've done anything to make ourselves righteous, but Father, that you died on the cross in our place for our sins, that we could have that righteousness that only you can give us. Father, we just pray now that uh, that you would just fill us with your spirit. And Father, to just cause us to, to live the way you want us to. Father, help us to remember just the incredible price that's been paid. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's... Uh, Let's just talk about a couple announcements here. And we there's fellowship pads on the aisles, and we want to make sure that we get a record of, of your being here with us today. If you're a visitor with us today, if you just fill in the information there so we uh, know how to get a hold of you. And if uh, everybody else, just make sure you put your name down there. Thank you. And uh, want to uh, let you know that we don't collect a formal offering, but we do believe that uh, giving of tithes and offerings is a part of worship. Uh, it's part of, of obedience to God, and it's part of how we praise him. And there's an offering plate in the back by the door, and if you would just put your tithes and offerings in there, that would be great. And if you, have fellow, uh, sorry, if you have prayer requests that you'd like for the church to be praying over, there's a, there's a box in the back on the table on the left as you go out. Uh, and if you just put your prayer request in there, the uh, officers of the church will, will definitely uh, pray for that those let's see did i miss anybody oh and communion last one communion will be served on july the 26th so oh one more Okay, great. All right, anything else? All right, let's go to the Lord. Father, we again thank you for bringing us together. Father, now we just uh, bring our supplications to you, Father. We, uh, we just pray for those who are in need. Uh, Lord, we think of uh, Susan Rush. Father, we pray for her physical needs. Pray that you would bring healing to her. Father, we, uh, we lift up Jill Carroll. Father, we pray for her. Father, we thank you for the healing in, uh, in Kevin Reese's hip. Father, we just thank you for that. Lord, I lift up my mother-in-law, Gisela Griffin, and pray that you would just heal her as she's in, in rehab. 
Father, we, uh, we pray for those who are hurting in our church, for those who are suffering loss. Father, we just lift up the Hubbards to you. Pray that you would uh, comfort them, bless them. Father, we, uh, there's just so many unspoken needs that we have, Father, we, uh, and you know every one of them. And Father, we just lift those up right now before your throne. Father, we just praise you that you hear our prayers. We praise you that you love us and that you want us to communicate with you. Thank you for the privilege of being able to bring these, these uh, requests to your throne. And Father, now I lift up my brother, my friend Alex. Father, as he brings your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill him and speak to us in a way that only you can. We love you, Lord, and we pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. morning to everyone. Happy 4th of July weekend. Well, you're not going to say it back to me? Come on. <laughs> no love. I'll see. I'll see how it is. If you have your Bible, please open it to John chapter 16. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14. John 16 verses 1 through 14. Do you believe that your life is a constant state of spiritual warfare against your soul? Do you believe that? Whether life is good or bad, in joy or pain, on the mountaintops or in the valley low, in health and sickness, in riches and poverty, regardless of your race, regardless of your economic status, your life is a constant state of spiritual warfare. If you are a believer, if you have saving faith in Jesus, then you will experience spiritual warfare. There is a real enemy who works against you, your adversary. The terrorist of your soul is what I call him. He's not flesh and blood. He's supernatural. It is the devil, Satan. And he runs schemes on God's people in order to draw them away from Jesus. Please know that. His goal is to always draw you away from the heart of Christ, to draw you away from Christ's love in your life, away from Christ's provisions to your life, away from Christ's lordship over your life, and away from Jesus' calling for your life, which is the Great Commission. So you must resist him. You must stand firm against him. You must engage the enemy, as Mark Stearns would say. You must engage the enemy. But how? How do we engage a supernatural enemy that we can't see, feel, or touch? Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not raging war according to the flesh. If you've been on Facebook, you can know most Christians have been raging war that way. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but they have divine power to do what? To destroy strongholds. Again, do you believe it? Or is Paul smoking hot air here? Is this truth? These weapons, these, this, the divine power comes from what I call the gospel league. And the gospel league is a reference to the, to the means of grace 
that God gives to his church, that God gives to his sons and daughters, to you. The league is here for your benefit, to aid you, to equip you, to empower you, to renew you, to reform you, to strengthen you, to draw you closer to Jesus, to help you stand firm against the enemy. Second Samuel 22:40 says, "For you, Yahweh, equip my soul for battle. For you, Yahweh, equip me for strength for the battle. Do you want Yahweh? to equip you with strength for the battle. I don't see any heads nodding, so I don't know. He does. He equips you with strength for the battle through the gospel league. So I ask you, are you ready to meet the league? If so, open your Bible to John 16, beginning in verse 1. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogue. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will no longer see me concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is God's holy word. Please pray with and for me. Father, as we come to the preaching of your truth, we need the third person in the Trinity to move. We need him to move in this place and move in our hearts. Because if he doesn't move, when we leave here, we're just going to go on back to life as usual. We're going to go on back to life as usual. Holy Spirit, we we need you to bring conviction. We need you to bring encouragement. We need you to renew. We need you to refresh. We need you to remind us the power of our God, that our God is not weak, that our God is not a broken God, for he's all-powerful. Holy Spirit, we cannot do anything apart from you. We can't even understand the word apart from you. 
So forgive us for grieving you. Forgive us for taking you for granted. Forgive us for for not acknowledging you. Forgive us for, for not praying to you. But we come now. We come now at this time in this season and acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, and ask that you will please move in our hearts. Give us your power that we may stand firm against the enemy. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. In John 16, verses 1 through 14, we meet the leader of the Gospel League here. The one in which all the other means of grace flows through. That's who we meet in these verses. He is known as the parakletos, that is helper in Greek. He is the helper. And you must be prepared to meet him. First, it's involved in prepared for what you will experience in life. Because in these verses, Jesus prepares his disciples for what they're going to experience as his disciples. You see, Jesus' ministry and mission on earth, I think, was twofold. First, he comes to die as a substitutional lamb for your sins. Second, it's for the discipleship and raising up leaders who will continue the ministry after him. He had to raise up people to continue to work when he went to glory. And Jesus knows that when he ascends to glory, those 11 disciples were going to be behind. They were not going with him this time. They were going to be be left behind, if you want to use that term or that phrase. They're not going to ascend with him to glory. And so as he moves closer and closer towards the cross, he intentionally has to prepare his disciples for what to expect from life as his disciples. And that that preparation is for you as well. Because if you have saving faith in Jesus, if you, if, if, if you have surrendered your life to him and you trust him and, and you rest on him, then you are a disciple of Jesus. You are joined to him by the hip. You have his love, his provisions, his lordship, his great commission. And his great commission is a continuation of his ministry in this world. And every disciple, every believer, every church is joined to this commission. And the 11 disciples here are the first ones to do this. And so he prepares them for what they should expect in life as his disciples. In the Gospel of John, he, Jesus gives them the example of washing their feet. He gives them the new commandment to love one another. He tells them to abide in him in order to bear fruit. And finally, he tells them the world will hate them because of him. The world will hate you because of me. And in John 16, verses 1 through 4, he says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. They will put you out of the synagogues. Or in our terms, they will prune cultural Christianity out of America. Let's put it that way. It will be pruned out. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Remember, he's not just talking to them. He's talking to us too. And when they do these things, they would do these things because they have not known the Father 
nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes to you, you may remember I told you. He told you. So don't be surprised when they come. He told you they're coming. He's preparing you for what's to come. So what is he doing? He's preparing his disciples. You need to expect these things. Don't be surprised when they come. Don't be surprised, American Christians, when it comes. You will experience opposition. You will experience persecution. You will experience hate as you carry out Jesus' mission in this world. It won't be a road paved in easiness. It will not be easy street. Like I've been saying, you will experience spiritual warfare. There is an enemy always at work behind everything that takes place that is fallen and broken. There will be opposition to you for simply being a Christian. You will experience these things. Jesus knows it. And so he prepares you. He says to them and you, I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. The Greek term for falling away, it means to cause a person to begin to distrust a person who they ought to trust. So he's saying that when the opposition comes, church, don't let it lead you to distrust me. Don't let it lead you to doubt me. Don't let it lead you to think I have abandoned you. I don't want you to be caught off guard by opposition, by spiritual warfare. He wants to kill in us this false expectation that being a disciple in a fallen world is supposed to be easy and comfortable. It's not. It's not. Spiritual welfare is in all circumstances in life, and we should accept it. We should embrace it. And guess what happened to the disciples after they heard these hard words from Jesus? That they were filled with sorrow in their hearts. Sorrow because Jesus is leaving and sorrow because of what they may are going to experience. Verses four, 5 and 6. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Sorrow has filled your heart. I want you to try to see and understand these, this, this situation from their point of view. They're going to be hated by the world. They're going to face opposition. They're going to get kicked out of synagogues that they have been going to all their life. And they may even be killed by people they thought were their friends, basically. And on top of that, Jesus is telling them that when they go through it, he ain't going to be here. And so if you want to damn you like, so when things get hard, you tell me you ain't going to be around? I mean, that don't make any sense, Jesus. So I'm going to be hated. I'm going to be persecuted. I might even be killed. And then when it gets hard, you telling me you ain't going to be here. Yeah, sorrow will fill my heart, too. Because my leader, who is leading me, is saying to me when it gets hard for me, he physically won't be present. You see, we all know what it feels like to think Jesus ain't with us in the struggle. 
You, feel, you know what it feels like to think you are alone. We all been there. None of us are holy rollers here. We're all broken people. We all know what it feels like that Jesus has left me. I feel like I'm alone. I don't think he's for me. I'm here by myself. Why, oh, why, Jesus, have you forsaken me? Everyone has said that. Everyone has felt that. If you are a believer, you felt that. That he has left you. But he hasn't left you. Sorrow does fill our hearts because of spiritual warfare, because of the enemy, because of the world, because of our own sin and flesh. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is in the foxhole with you. He is. I know many Christians in our country have sorrow because cultural Christianity has been pruned from our society. That's what's happening. And some Christians are scared. They're nervous. Sorrow, there's sorrow over, over, over the burning of black churches as well. There's a lot of sorrow. But sorrow does not have to be your best friend. Joy does come in the morning. For Jesus is not a deserter. Jesus does not abandon his people. He does not forsake his people. He does not leave us as orphans. He's not going to leave the disciples. He's not going to leave you. He's going to sin someone else to be with them. A helper. A helper. You see, it's to their advantage, he says, and benefit that he goes away. He tells them, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Think about that. It's to your advantage that I leave. How can it be to my advantage if, if Jesus leaves me? If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's to their advantage. Because remember, the supernatural person that they're fighting against is the enemy. And so they're going to need a supernatural benefit. They're going to need a spiritual benefit to engage life here. And that is the helper. That is the Holy Spirit. The enemy is supernatural, and the show is our helper. He's supernatural too. For greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So who's in you? Who is in you? The Holy Spirit is in you. What a wonderful Savior Jesus is. Even before the cross, even before the resurrection, even before the ascension, he's already thinking about their lives post him. That's love. That's concern. He's already thinking about their life post him. He's not going to leave them alone to face the pending opposition and hate and persecution and spiritual warfare on their own. He's not going to abandon them to, to live and fight this journey in their own power. And the same applies to you. The same applies to you. In this country, as believers, you think you're alone? You're not alone in your struggles. You're not alone in your battles. It may feel that way, but our feelings are not always reality. They're not always the truth. It doesn't matter that your circumstances are the form of your spiritual warfare. Jesus hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. That is the lie of the enemy. From the pits of hell, you should smell the smoke. 
If that is not the truth, he would never forsake his people. He has sent another helper in his place. And he makes a promise to his disciples. If I go away, I will send a helper to you. But do you believe him at the end of the day? Do you believe Jesus' words at the end of the day? That's what it comes down to. Do you believe it? It's easy to believe it here. I'm talking about out there. Monday morning. Do you believe it? Do you believe it then? All that Jesus promises are signed, sealed, and delivered. He will send you the helper. He's a comforter. He's your counselor. He's your advocate. He's your supporter. He's your senior friend. He's your advisor. He's your ally. You only have one supernatural ally in this life, and that is the Holy Spirit. And you need to be praying to him. You need to rely on him. You need to ask him to give you his power to stand firm. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. J.R. Packer says that Jesus is the original parakletos, and he continues his ministry through the work of the second, and that is the Holy Spirit. And that is the Holy Spirit. And notice the pronoun that is, that is used for the Holy Spirit. It's a masculine pronoun. It shows that the Spirit is not an it. It's a he. It's not a thing. He is a person. He is a person. And he is supernatural. But do you see him as such? Do you see him as such? If you don't believe in the supernatural aspects of Christianity, then you don't embrace the Holy Spirit either. You're your own enemy. We have a supernatural faith. Supernatural. And you have, we have to embrace that part of our faith. Do you acknowledge the Spirit? Listen, he's not the hired help. He's not the third string in the Godhead. He's not the Father, Son, and oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit. No, they are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and these three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. And you need him. The Spirit is just as important to your life as God the Father and Jesus the Son. Just as important. Even Christ said, if I don't go, he ain't coming. It's to your advantage that I leave. Because when I go, I'm going to send you another helper who will be with you forever. The Spirit is the leader of the gospel league. And all the other benefits that we get as Christians come through the Holy Spirit. Because that means the Spirit ain't moving, lives ain't changed. If the Spirit ain't moving, people don't come to faith. People don't come to faith just because I can, I can share the gospel well. People come to faith when the Holy Spirit moves. Do you think people die for the Christian faith apart from the Holy Spirit giving them the courage to do so? That's the Spirit working in them saying, I'll lay down my life. That doesn't happen. The Holy Spirit ain't moving in you. You won't take a knife for Jesus if the Holy Spirit is not working in you. You won't. You won't take up the cross 
the Holy Spirit isn't working in you. What we'll do, we'll give in. We'll give in. Our strength will only take us so far. The Spirit crosses us over the Red Sea. He parts the Red Sea for us. And we got to believe that. And we need to be praying to him. We need to rely on him. And he will work for us. Our, the Holy Spirit, your comforter, who provides you consolation in your affliction. He's your counselor, who gives you guidance and advice and wisdom. He's your advocate. He's your supporter who encourages you. He gives you strength. He gives you wisdom. He gives you humility if you need that. He is the one who equips you with strength for the battles in this life. But do you believe it? He helps you understand the word. Did you know that? Christians don't understand the word just because you know theology. Just because you read a lot of books. The Holy Spirit gives understanding of scripture. Without, because he's important. You need him. You need him. So the, 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 the promised Holy Spirit is given for a particular reason. Throughout John 16, he, John, was, John says, but if I go, I will send him to you. That's the spirit. In John 15, 26, Jesus says, but when the heifer comes, whom I will send to you. And when he comes, he will do this. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will do that. See, he comes for a particular reason. This is not the first time the spirit has moved in scripture, but he's coming in a new way now, in a way that he hasn't come before, in the way of Joel 11. It says, it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. This is how the spirit is getting ready to come. And it happened in Acts 2. In the day of Pentecost. The helper is going to be poured out on a particular way, on a particular people. And that's God's people. The church. Those who have saving faith in Jesus. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Whom the world, meaning the world in its rebellion against God, cannot receive, because they neither see him nor know him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Do you realize you have what you need to stand firm in the trials and hardships of life? You have a power within you that the lost world does not have and they cannot have. And that's the Holy Spirit. They cannot receive it. Only those who have saving faith in Jesus, only those who have surrendered their life to Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. So that means we cannot expect a fallen world to submit to the Lordship of Christ. We should never be surprised when pagans behave like pagans. We should not be surprised when sinners behave like sinners. We should not be surprised when a broken country do broken things. They do not have the Holy Spirit. Only believers have the Holy Spirit. And we should not be surprised. 
What should surprise us is when those who claim to be believers do things they shouldn't do. That should surprise you. Not when pagans do what pagans do. But when saints claim to be saints and they don't live like saints or think like saints. But they compromise the truth for things that we know are ungodly. That should surprise you. That means the enemy has infiltrated the church. When you see things like that happen. John 7, 37 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has, has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That is the Holy Spirit. The rivers of living water that flows in you. That's inside of you. But do you believe it? Or do you grieve him? Do you pray to him? Do you ask him, help me stand firm today? Do you ask him to help me just make it one more day? The Holy Spirit is a particular helper poured out on particular people, and he has a particular work and function. First, it is the work of conviction. The work of conviction. In verses 8 through 11, Jesus says, When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will not see me any longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Think about that. The ruler of this world is judged. When was he judged? When Jesus went to the cross. The enemy is already defeated. The day Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is he's prophesying it right here. Second, there is the work of God and God's people. Verses 11 through 13. I still have many things to say to you. I think this is funny, but you can't bear them now. So, <laughs> yeah. You're already sorrowful, so I can't tell you anything else. <laughs> but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Do you believe it? Third, he will glorify Jesus. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he would take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. When you look at your life as a Christian here in America, do you, have you ever prayed to the Holy Spirit and acknowledged him as this? Have you? Well, it's so easy here because of our freedom to think, to substitute our freedom for the Spirit. Well, my life is easy, so I don't really need the Spirit right now. I'm telling you, you need Him. Because the enemy uses our freedoms against us to make us lazy, to make us weak, to make us not care about the Great Commission to the place where we don't ever share our faith. That's the enemy using our weaknesses, our freedoms against us. So what does this mean for each of you as you go out this week? It means what Paul says to Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. We do not have a spirit of fear. And so when the world starts doing what the world does, we need to buckle down and continue to press forward. Because we don't have a spirit of fear. Power, love, and self-control. For great is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You've got to believe it. Do you believe it?
So all the power you need to stand firm in spiritual warfare, the Holy Spirit has as the leader of the Gospel League. And as we move forward in this series, we're going to talk about next week, the Word. Lyle is going to spend two weeks talking about the Word in your life. Because if you ain't in the Word, you win something. You can't know the truth if you don't spend time in the truth. So we're going to talk about the word next week. And this week I encourage you, if you've never ever prayed to the Holy Spirit, this week pray to him. Pray to him. Ask him to help you to navigate within this culture. Ask him to help you love those who struggle with same-sex attraction. Ask him. Ask him for wisdom. He'll give it to you. But you've got to ask. You've got to ask. He will equip your hands for the battle that lie ahead. Let us pray. Father God, thank you that we are not alone. We are not alone. We are not abandoned. We are not orphans. We are not without a leader. But Lord, you still minister to us through your spirit in a supernatural way. And I pray that that as, as for us in this local church, that you will move in us, Holy Spirit, drawing us closer together, empowering us to stand firm, empowering us to love the least of these, and giving us wisdom and guidance. We, we acknowledge, Holy Spirit, that without you, we ain't going to stand firm when it gets hard. We, we would not carry the cross. We're not going to suffer well. If you ain't moving, I'll just be honest. If you ain't moving in me, it's going to be hard for me to take a knife for Jesus. And I think we all need to be real about that. We need you, Holy Spirit, to move in us in a powerful way. We know you live in us, but we need that power, the Holy Spirit power to move in us. So, Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves and ask, that you would do in us what we cannot do in ourselves. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service?